the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, happy day, everybody. This is Robert Graham. I'm filling in for my good buddy, Seth Leapson. Hopefully you're having a fantastic day yourself and not getting too cooked. I think it's going to be a cooler day today as it related to last week. But nonetheless, we're on our way to the summer months, which bring in the heat. And I got to tell you, the one thing about Arizona that has evolved every single year and every single day is it more complexity, more attention to this great state for so many different reasons. Some are great, some are not so great, and nonetheless, we seem to be the center of attention in many, many different ways. Right now, with what we've got going on around the world, it is contentious to say the least. You know, one of the things that I guess I appreciate in some ways, as you know, that I worked closely with former President Donald Trump and had a good relationship with him and his family. And I will tell you that I actually appreciate not seeing him in the headlines every single day only because it seemed to be that they picked on him constantly. And so now, without him being in the headlines, we're watching what's happening with the current president, and I don't think we're getting the full story because they're not reporting on everything they need to report to show real transparency around this presidency and this administration, even some of the law-making organizations as well as as far as their staff as well as the watchdog organizations and different news organizations have actually minimized or reduced their staff because they're not so interested in holding this president, Joe Biden, accountable for everything that's happening within this country. So here, in in short, we have so many different things that affect us as citizens. Regardless of the country you live in, the economy is one of these big things that affects your life in every sense of the way. We talk about, I had a great mentor when I first got into business, And he used to say, money's not everything, but it's right up next to air. When you have money, you have different freedoms and liberties to do things, to be able to express the type of quality of life you are interested in, the standard of living you're interested in, goals to shoot for and to do. But when you have policy or political people that start to infringe or start to compress your choices, that's when it becomes a challenge. And there are policies and processes that we'll talk about here in today's show, and we'll touch on some of the things that the Biden administration's already done that you have been impacted. There's a lot of bragging going on about the the uh, reigniting of the economy and things like that. That was under Donald J. Trump. If you if you remember, even during the COVID months, the economy didn't retrace much. Jobs did because people weren't going to work and they people weren't consuming goods and services. So there was needs, less needs for people and labor. So they reduced. But as related to the overall economy and the girth and the strength of the economy, it was on the uptick. Now we start looking at what's happening across the board and you have to start questioning yourself. And you look at the international dynamics, conflicts that are arising quickly in different places across the globe. You start thinking about the political climate that we're in here in the state. I'll tell you what, words that I am so tired of hearing are inclusiveness, coexisting, tolerance, all of this, only because there's absolute hypocrisy. I, I would say that it's more of a lie than anything we've ever heard, and I've talked about this before in this show and other shows, that it is a challenge nonetheless when you hear people saying this from the left because they really do not mean it when they say it. 
Because if they did, they would reach out to everyone, not just those that agree with them. So as we go through today, we're going to talk about some of the conflict that's happening in the world and some of the more friendly things that universities and other things, other people are trying to do in this country to bring across this inclusive culture, to try to make people feel good. And I think that's a big challenge, and we'll talk about the psyche behind this. But when people are trying to make people feel good, I think there's a problem. Okay, It's one thing to serve people and help people in need. It's another thing just to really worry about everybody's feelings and try to accommodate them. You start to destroy things. You start to make things so that they're so oversensitive that how do you judge everybody all the time? And then so it starts to create more anarchy than it does structure and any kind of uh, systematic engagement as it relates to people and process. So, again, as we go through this, we're going to touch on all these wonderful things that are happening in this country. And one that's under the highlights here in Arizona And I'll tell you, it's confusing because all of us are trying to process this audit, okay, that's happening here in Arizona. We've got Maricopa County, one of the largest counties in the United States, who has had the Senate mandate to do an audit, and it was upheld by a judge. And we've had this group called the Cyber Ninjas, as you know, has been in there and helping to orchestrate with our former Secretary of State, Ken Bennett, uh, a fair and transparent count of the ballots. Now, one of the things that all of you need to remember is that these ballots don't have your names on it. Right. They definitely if they pick up your ballot, they won't know it's you, but they'll know how that ballot was voted. And the goal is, is to try to make sure that they're transparent. Now, here's the challenge that I've had since the very beginning. When we had so many states and so many oddities that happened as it related to possible fraud in this election and evidence that pointed to this, you know, you hear these media outlets that say that there was no evidence. There was plenty of evidence that there was wrongdoing in a number of different places. Evidence that I actually got to hold in my hand, that I was review, I got to review with some law enforcement organizations and to try to validate or, or unvalidate and make sure that it was real legitimate information to people to pursue. But here's the deal. If somebody calls out and says, this election was bad, we'd like to audit it and prove that it was bad or that it wasn't bad. If you're confident that it, everything was smooth and good, why not just be transparent? Why not just let it happen? Have a systematic process. And right now as lawmakers, as supervisors, as county recorders, I think it would be good to recommend to you to design features and processes that allow audits to move easily and make sure that they happen in a way that's meaningful so that people, the people, will have confidence in the system. I listened to somebody today on, one of the, uh, on a station this morning, and he talked about how you want to restore confidence because one of the things, cynicism is one of the most destructive things to our democratic process as it relates to the elections here in this country. And I, and I agree with that. If people don't trust the system, they won't participate. With the fewer people participating, then you have a small group of individuals that are going to dictate the outcome as it relates to elected officials and the policies and the processes that we experience. So how do we do this? You do it through transparency. So, again, if a state came out and said, look, if this ever happens again, we want to make this transparent. I think that's a logical way to go to say, if you want to audit, here's our auditing processes. Really define it clearly so that it's not being created as they go like it's happening right now with this audit. People say, oh, these people don't have experience. Well, tell me one group that has the experience of truly doing an audit at this size anywhere in the United States of America. They don't because it's unprecedented. We just don't have this type of audit happening. So they are learning. And if you watch the process and you listen to the process, it's unusual. But it's actually interesting to watch as it kind of works itself out. Now, at the end of this, 
Will it prove that there was funny business? Maybe. Will it prove that there wasn't funny business? Maybe. So here's the deal. There should be closure one way or the other. If there is funny business, they've got more work to do to prove what it was and how it was done and who the perpetrators were. Again, if you can't put your thumb on a perpetrator, I'm not really certain how you can claim this to be that terrible because you have to be able to pin somebody down. If you can pin somebody down, then it's much easier to convince a reasonable voter, a reasonable citizen that something really bad happened because you've got somebody in handcuffs that you're, you're taking away. If you can't do that, then people say, ah, it's just a theory, right? It's just an idea. And I can tell you, I'll give you an example. I saw a list. It was a locked document that was shared with me by a few different agencies, and we looked at it. My organization looked at it to try to understand And Again, I was, a, I was a former chairman of the Arizona Republican Party. In my tenure there, I spent time as an executive board member of the Republican National Committee. I worked with about 11 different states. As you can imagine, all 11 states have very different systems and processes that do things. And so you learn. You learn a lot. And, you, and, and also, when people call and they say there's a problem with an election or a candidate or whatever, they typically call the state party. You start to learn how to really filter through what's real and what's just anger, emotion, or what have you, and get to the bottom of it. So I was shared a list of 100,000 voters. Now, here's the interesting thing about these 100,000 voters. This will sound really normal to you. These 100,000 voters requested early mail-in ballots in the state of Michigan in a specific county, Wayne County, 100,000. 100,000 of them, all 100,000 of these people voted. And here's the kicker. All 100,000 of these people were dead before they requested the mail-in ballots. Now, you hear that and say, oh, my gosh, this is just more, more of this kind of conspiracy dynamic or what have you. It's not. This is the list. This was the voted list. This is what happened through the process. The problem is, is that they cannot follow the breadcrumbs upstream to find out who the perpetrators were that actually executed on this and did this. And once the votes were in the system, they were in the system. How do you peel back those votes? Because you don't know exactly who they voted for or what they did. So you can't match the ballot to the name. So there you go. I mean, it's one of these things. It's one of the most frustrating things in the world as we get there. So now what you do is you create systems and processes to do what? Prevent this from happening. And then if there's an audit process, you do it so it can go quickly. And so at the end of this whole thing, when somebody calls for transparency, you can have the outcome for you, that you hope for. Now, again, a lot of finger pointing right now. And I got to tell you, it's not productive to finger point. We've got to keep our eye on 2022 as well. It's coming quickly. And if we're not organized and we're not thinking properly, we will not have the results that we want in the 2022 election. Midterm elections are big. In Arizona, this is a big election as it relates to statewide offices and the outcome that we hope for. Again, this is Robert Graham filling in for Seth Leaps, and you're listening to 960 The Patriot. We'll be back. We're going to talk elections, economy, what's happening in the Middle East, and what the solution should be. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham, and you are listening to 960 The Patriot. I'm filling in for my good buddy Seth, so it is someone different than Seth. And hopefully you are doing fantastic and life is treating you well. We're in an interesting time right now where we've had COVID impact us in a number of different ways. It's helped some and it's hurt some. It has caused absolute chaos in a number of people's lives. My kids, I have a, a gaggle of geese at home. I've got six children and we had a, our kids back and forth to in-person, out-of-person school. And it was a challenge. And then we watch these universities that are 
they're really trying to figure it out. But a lot of them are opening back up and a lot of them are making you're reducing the mask mandate. Some of them that are private universities and even some public universities are starting to mandate the vaccines and they're looking for proof and people are trying to put it together and see what they can come up with. And again, there are so many different things that infringe upon our liberties. It's also about making the best choices for you. And that's one of the blessings that we have in our country is to do just that. Now, one of the greatest things that we have in our country is the freedom of speech. It's, it's, it is truly one of the best things I would say. If you go to other countries and you recognize, like I'll give you an example. So I spent some time with my master's program in Russia, in Moscow. And in Moscow, at that particular time, it's it, communism, I'm putting quotations up with my fingers here, has fallen. And you have a different regime. This is still Putin is the president of, the, of their country. And as you would go around in Russia, you would, in Moscow specifically, you would see some women or men driving cars. You'd see these little white ribbons that were hanging off of their purses, like little bows. And some, some of them would have these orange ribbons on there and some of them had black stripes on or what have you. And the white ribbons were the people stating that they were not happy with the current leadership or the administration. It was a way to express themselves without saying anything and doing things. It was acceptable in a number of different ways. Then you start to see the orange little uh, ribbon that was on there. That was just a way of people saying thank you to military individuals, especially World War II and, and some of the women, the babushkas that were around that really rebuilt, rebuilt and led that country after so many men had died during World War II. So you see these little expressions, but then you start hearing about organizations that came together and they start to protest or openly. And then you hear about people that are disappearing and, and they're kind of finding their way. They're, they're falling away. And you start going, my gosh, what happened to these people? They disappeared. They're no longer out there. People are saying, hey, it's probably the government that's taking them out. Who knows? OK, but you see that you can have people that get in the face of our politicians. They get in, far, in our, the faces of law enforcement. They say what they're going to say. In many cases, as long as it's not illegal to say what they're saying, they say it. And we sometimes have to just go, my gosh, I don't agree with anything that these people are saying. But it's another way for them to express themselves and do it. So censorship is one of the scariest concepts in my mind. When we start to censor the way people can communicate with each other, you start to see things change, right? You start to see fear. You start to see people not being who they want to be. You start seeing shifts in the economy. You start seeing shifts in education. You start seeing a whole ripple effect that starts to happen because people try to conform to what they believe is the norm. And most people are conditioned not to want conflict in their lives at all, okay? Even if they don't agree with things. And so then you see... This whole movement happening with the transgender movement and this whole identity. What are the pronouns we're going to use and how are we going to talk about people as we get there? And the reason I bring this up today, I mean, we've been hearing every single day, right? It's the new thing to talk about this and try to figure out, do you say shim, shay, they? Who knows what you're going to end up saying one of these days. I'm sure they'll find some standard if it makes it that far because I'm not sure that the American public will be conditioned enough to accept it over so much time because it's kind of crazy, okay, as you get there. But Penn State, a university that I actually – was one of my very first exposures. I was recruited there as a hockey player, and I just loved State College and that whole environment over there, and it was recognized as a great educational institution and stuff. And they just now approved, hot off the press today, Penn State approves to stop using freshman, sophomore, junior, senior terms – and others due to male-centric academic history. 
Now, candidly, I just don't know how to process this, okay? I listened to their proposition that was approved that would remove gendered and binary terms from their course and program descriptions, according to the university's student operator newspaper. And that newspaper is called the Daily Collegian, okay? Now, this is not new for us. We've been hearing universities that are doing this. And if you call somebody a he or she and they're offended, some universities and University of Arizona tried to work this one in. If they're offended by your speech, you can be expelled from that university. Now, think about it. I I know how much money my daughter, we are going to invest. Let me put it this way. How much money we're going to invest in my daughter's education coming up at the American University. And if she were expelled for not using the proper pronoun that individual was not comfortable with or what have you. They just had a problem with it. After we've invested maybe a year or two into her education, it makes you go postal. And so this oversensitivity is is going to erode our whole structure, our whole infrastructure. And this is the challenge that I have when I look at this. You know, people want to talk about how ridiculous it is on one hand. You have the rights. And other people say, we want to make people feel all right. We want to make people feel included. I'll tell you, what is, is it worth changing virtually every textbook on the planet to take a 0.003% of the human population and try to accommodate their feelings? Or do you go to them and say, look, you are different than the masses of the people the way you feel. We won't discount the way you're feeling. If you feel that way, that's your prerogative to feel that way. But please don't have the expectation that we reform the entire universe to accommodate your feelings, okay? Because if that's the case, that's when we give up too much. That's when we start to be not rational about it. We don't look at the real impact, the ripple, as it causes through the entire world organization the stratosphere. I mean, look, my kids, right now, they're pretty clear on the way it works. When we talk about science, I mean, COVID, they're like science, 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 as every time a a Republican or a conservative or somebody would push back on some policy or something that was being pushed. When we start thinking about this gender dynamics, where does science go? I mean, bottom line, we've got these things called chromosomes, right? And some people's might be a little tweaked than the other person's, but nonetheless, we have them. My kids have understood a real basic philosophy that we use that boys have outies and girls have innies. And the whole notion is we're different. Okay. But it's pretty standard and science is there. But again, I recognize the fact that people may feel different. They may live in a different bubble that is comfortable to their environment. That's the way they want to be. But again, accommodating this is is just crazy. So where does it stop? Does this mean that Penn State is going to pave the way for other universities to do the same thing? Does that mean that high schools should start to accommodate this? How do you tell a university when they say when you're filling out an application, they ask you what grade you're in? Do you put your grade, 12th grade? Do you put senior? Do you put junior? Are you in trouble if you put senior? Maybe you're not going to be a great candidate for that school if you put senior, if you don't know their policies. So it gets to a point where you have to educate differently. This oversensitivity becomes less about inclusiveness, and it starts to target people for the way they talk and the way they behave. So that's a challenge, and we have to get to a point where we start to less and less accommodate the the tiny, tiny, small portion of this world. And we start to educate them that we can be inclusive in the way you feel and the way you want to behave and the way you want to live your life. But we don't have to change everything to try to make you feel good. And that's where we are. We're in this feel good society. And that's going to make it so that there's less accountability 
And with less accountability comes some real problems. And we'll cover some of that as it relates to what's happening in this whole notion of defunding or reshaping America's crime and law enforcement. It is uh, wild and crazy what's happening. And you will get the inside scoop in just a minute. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham on 960 The Patriot, and we have a great guest with us. As you've heard, every every week we got good old John Dombrowski with us. And, John, it's so good to have you. And I, I'll tell you what, I'm at a point now where you start thinking about what's happening in the economy. It seems like every day we're talking about it much more. Mm-hmm. But um, I think back of guys like Harry Dent who predicted this type of Dow and the, the – the S&P, he's a little off on time, time-wise and what was happening with the, with the NASDAQ. But, my gosh, it's here. And, um, and there's a lot of new policy that's happening. And, and I think people are nervous, to be quite honest, when you start talking about inflation, what's happening with the cryptocurrency world and the impact it's going to have on us. And then we start seeing what's happening overseas and oil. My gosh, it's like one thing after another. So you are the man with a lot of answers and a real strategy as it relates to helping people through to navigate all this noise. So welcome, and, and what are you doing these days? I mean, what are you doing with all this this crazy stuff happening in the markets? Well, good to talk to you again, Robert. It's been a while. Um, yeah, it, there's a lot of uh, challenges out there, obviously, that we face and uh, with the new administration and some of the policies that they're presenting, and uh, hopefully uh, maybe some of those things will get tamed back a bit. But uh, overall, yeah, it's a little bit of a uh, scary time out there. You know, you just wonder, you know, you've been involved in, in the financial world as well. And over time, of course, this is the key to any good, solid investment strategy is time. And if you've got time on your side, you can make small adjustments to your portfolio along the way that can really help you maybe stay out of the way of some of these uh, pullbacks in the market, but also take advantage of some of the sectors of the market that could, uh, you know, give you some decent returns. So diversification, which we all hear about over and over again, is critical in times as we're seeing today. And when you when you think about like diversification, again, I look at, you know, I have friends that do real estate. We have people that buy oil and gas. They buy, you know, mm-hmm. your large cap, small cap sectors and, and they kind of mix it out and blend it. And it, right now we've seen a lot of up time. I mean, the last couple of years have been good to all of us. And, and you get to that point and you make you talking about these small modifications and I think that is really important that um, but when people make modifications like one of the things I like about your approach is that you are a planner like you'll set a strategy in motion you may modify it a bit as time goes but people know what they're thinking as far as well, when do I make the modifications when do I make these slight changes do you, can you explain kind of what your process is? Because yeah. I think this is critically important for people to hear that there is a process to having the best outcome. Yeah, it is interesting because you think a lot of people out there, and if you invest money yourself in the markets or wherever you invest, it's it's emotional for you because it's your money. There's no question about that. So sometimes it's good for a financial professional to be helping you with some of these financial decisions because emotion can be taken out of it. And what's critical is is that rather than trading on emotion, you know, you, you see these tweets from say some like Elon Musk and it's affecting the cryptocurrencies on a daily basis the swings are historic what's happening and it could make you uh, if you're investing yourself maybe make some trades or decisions that maybe an advisor would not tell you to do because we're looking at this with different uh, from a different perspective and you know we look at trends not day-to-day 
uh, issues that may pop up in the market. There's always going to be something. But we're looking for some type of longer-term trend that's going to help us make the right decision uh, and, and be in a position to where when the markets change, such as this, whether it's uh, going down or going up over a period of time, we can be positioned properly to take advantage of it either way. Yeah, that's good. That's great information because, you know, especially the Elon Musk is definitely one of the best examples right now because he, he tends to talk more than I've ever seen as far as <laughs> trying to move the market yeah. than any publicly traded CEO I've ever seen in history. And the crypto is one of those interesting worlds because it's not regulated very much right now. So you can say yeah. a lot. And, and that's that's scary. Yeah, and, and there has been a number of people out there that want to get involved in crypto because we all see the potential uh, and some of the growth that has already occurred. But I must you know, give people caution you know, when it comes to investing in something like cryptocurrencies. If you're going to do that, do your homework. Be very careful. There's a lot of people out there that have been uh, scammed out there recently. And uh, this is becoming more and more of a problem because more and more people are trying to get involved in this, but they don't really know how to invest in it. There are ways to do it. And if you'd like to learn about that, you certainly can call me uh, at our firm, Grand Canyon Planning. Check out our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. You can request an appointment right there. And uh, as always, just be careful when you're trying to invest in something like this if you're not really that familiar with it. Yeah, John, you are the man. I appreciate it. It's great hearing your voice. You and as well. Have a fantastic day, everybody. You heard it, and you heard it here at 960 The Patriot. He, there's a process, and there's a way to help you have the best possible outcome. And I would encourage you to call John at Grand Canyon uh, Planning. All right? Thanks, everybody. Have hey, a fantastic... Uh, oh, yeah, disclosure ahead. and securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, member of Inrecipic and Investment Advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thanks, Robert. Hey, thanks for the disclaimer. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. All right. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham. You're listening to 960 The Patriot. We're getting close to the top of the hour here. And I just want to pick up where John Dabrowski and I were talking a little bit about the economy and what's happening. Again, one of the things that a lot of times what happens is we get busy in our lives. We put our heads down and we just crank through life, right? Today I had meetings and started at 6 this morning with India and a few other places talking about the dynamics that are having in COVID and oxygen concentrations. And then it just accelerated as the day's gone forward. Met with a client, run over here to the station, do my thing. I leave here at 6 o'clock. I'm going to go to my sweet daughter Faith is in the All-Star game for her league's uh, lacrosse. And she was one of six young ladies that were picked from their team. She is a great defense woman and she's a killer out there and it's fun to watch. But here it is. I mean, this is your life, I probably just explained. Starts early, cranks through the entire day, and you get to the end of the day, and you're just exhausted. What do you do? Do you watch American Idol? Do you watch a TV show? Do you flip the news on? I mean, who knows what you do, but mostly we find ourselves disconnected from an intimate experience with policymakers, politicians, or we're going to watch it the news. Whether you're looking at Fox, Newsmax, on, if you're CNN, person, MSNBC, it's going to be spun one way or the other. Or it could be they could try to be as neutral as they possibly can, but you're going to be fed the information that you consume, right? That's how it goes. And how much time do we have every day to consume information to make make ourselves 
as smart as we possibly can so that we're always leaning into the decisions and trying to do the best we can for our country, right? We want to vote for the best people. We want to, we want to support the best policies. If you're listening to this station, more than likely you're a social and fiscal conservative, and you're going to try to set up the universe, the world, and around these governing principles that we care most deeply about or we believe are the best governing principles. But it doesn't always happen that way because people, life gets in the way of us trying to filter for the best possible outcome. So one of the things that happened in this election, you heard a lot of people when it talked about the presidential election and what's happening there, what's happened during the campaign. One of the most off-putting comments that people made to me, which I didn't even push back in some cases, I did with family, but with others I didn't, is when people would tell me that they were going to vote for Biden because they thought he was nicer, that his niceties, his nice demeanor was going to be a better representation of the United States of America than Donald Trump. And Donald Trump, man, I'll tell you what, he is bombastic, he'll get in your face and he'll tell you exactly what he's thinking, okay? In some ways, that's fantastic. In some ways, it's, it's abrasive. Nonetheless, when you really looked and you peel back the onion, even if your eyes are watering, okay, you saw policies and plans and strategies that not only helped our economy and grow people's jobs and improve our standard of living, but they protected our nation as well. So you see this and you go, my gosh, it's there. Now, the economy is one of these things that we consume every single day. We don't think about it. We get gas, right? And in people that have certain income levels, I used to work with a group of doctors with one of my business and they, they had good incomes. And we would go and, we, and I would say to them, hey, what does inflation mean to you? And a lot of times people didn't even really feel inflation because their incomes were high enough. When they went to the gas pump, they always filled their tank up. It wasn't like one of their staff people that maybe only had five bucks or ten bucks in their wallet. And that's as high as the gas gauge would go up based upon that. But if it's three dollars a gallon versus a dollar fifty a gallon, they're getting a heck of a lot less gas. For us. So it's starting to impact their standard of living. So now we've got President Biden in there, and he started to effectuate policy. You heard him talk about the taxes. You've heard him talk about uh, the fossil fuels. This whole notion with the pipeline and the pipeline being hacked. Do you know that they're using, instead of taking accountability, first and foremost, let me just say something. This did not happen when Donald Trump was president of the United States. Okay? You have this guy come in. They still have CISA and they have all these groups that are out there trying to protect our borders from cyber hacking and what have you. But it happened. And instead of owning it, what they're doing is they're shifting it now saying, well, this is why we shouldn't we shouldn't even um, be dependent upon fossil fuels if we went to alternatives. Well, what happens if they hack the alternative grid? That's not the story here. So they start to shift in point. But let me just say this. When you have somebody that dumps six trillion dollars into our economy in the first year, the Fed's printing money like crazy. We're borrowing money like crazy. Think about the debt and think about the exposure that it has. But I want to think, I want you to think about inflation, inflation, what's impact quick inflation, hyperinflation starts to impact our standard of living very rapidly. And so the most basic definition are too many dollars chasing too few goods and services. So here we have in our housing market, we have less than eight day supply of houses up for sale right now, which is great for a seller. If you want to sell, it's time to sell. If you're a buyer, you just feel this is outrageous. I listed, I had a little camper trailer, pop pop trailer. I listed it for $6,700, very nice one, whatever. And I, I received $7,100 for it 
people were bidding against my little camper trailer, okay? Again, there's a lot of money flowing out there. And as a seller, I'm like, heck yeah, I'll take this inflationary dynamic. I put more money in my pocket. But as somebody that's consuming, it's going to have a greater impact. To be competitive, you spend more money. To buy the goods and services, you spend more money and do that. Well, it just starts to kind of roll around our economy and it starts to disrupt things and it makes it so it's harder to live. The other side of the coin is that this federal government wants to keep people home and keep them on unemployment. Arizona may have seen just announced that they're going to they're going to rescind the extra $300 a month that people were getting in their unemployment from the federal government because they're worried that our workers are more content sitting at home not working getting paid the same or more than some of these other jobs that we have out there. We have so many jobs that we can't fill. So policy impacts the economy. So what's happening right now, you may not feel disruption yet, but it's coming. There's a number of different layers that are happening that's coming. How about foreclosures? We've been holding off and we've had a moratorium on foreclosures. Evictions have had moratorium. We haven't been able to do that. There are millions of people that are going to feel the impact as soon as this moratorium lifts. And do we have the economy do they have the structure to absorb any or all of this? And so when you start thinking about niceties versus policy, think about protection. Think about the disruption in the world. We come back at the top of the hour. I can't help myself, but I've talked about it before in the show, and I'm going to talk about it again. But this whole notion of a hegemon, when you have somebody standing at the king of the hill, it's not that you're trying to be the king of the world, but what you're trying to do is manage the free trade zones and establish peace. And sometimes it's, it is military overreach, and you feel like you're kind of getting into more than you need to. But when you recognize that there's more peace in the world, and you do that. I want to ask you, before we go into this break, was there more is there more peace in the world today or is there more peace at the prior to 2021? I would tell you that four years of Donald Trump, you may have had some contention there in the media and with our president. But if you look around the world, there was a balance of power that was established and there was much more peace. Our military, our Navy deals with this routinely right now. In the Sea of Hamus, you see it right now. They're, Iran is taunting our military again. They haven't done this for four years. Why now? Okay. If you rule or if you lead or if countries do not fear you, then they will start to taunt you and they will push as much as they possibly can to start to see where the reaction is, the line. Is it Russia? Is it China? Is it Iran? Is it India? Who Who is going to disrupt our universe the most and when are they going to do it and what is our response going to be we come back from the break we'll lead into that we'll talk a little bit of what's happening in israel and i would not profess to be an expert there but i will tell you again with my travels and the experiences i've had around the world i have a better knowledge than most as it relates to the intimacy of the communities and i gotta tell you that this is a scary time for the world when we start to see this kind of contention and this type of conflict arise again this is robert graham you listen to 960 the patriot first and foremost it's america first in my mind and we do what we possibly can to balance what we have here at home and transition to the world where we can be helpful that being said we'll be right back after the break i look forward to catching up Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham. And as we are wrapping up, it's just this top of the hour, I should say. It's important to really understand when we went into the economic dynamics here, and we start thinking about the impact points and what's happening with policy and process and procedure and the ripple down effect. 
It doesn't just happen here in the United States. So a policy that we think may be great. The one thing that I that I have, um, and again, I'm, I know I'm speaking to everybody that pretty much agrees with what I'm saying. And they talk about raising the taxes on the rich. And then somehow they're going to do this redistribution of wealth and try to level the playing field and say it's all fair, 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 fair. I got to tell you, it's it's uh, it is so hard for me not to want to write an article or an op op ed about almost everything that comes out of this president's mouth because it is dumbfounded. He tries to get real sincere with you and just say, "Look, this is the way it needs to be. We need to we need to tax these people that make over four hundred thousand dollars a year, much more than they already are. Not to mention that they pay most of the taxes in this country anyway." But if we do that, it'll make your life better. Well, tell me how it's going to make it better. You can't balance anything with the way that this man spends. Okay? Look at the trillions and trillions of dollars, the promises of free tuition, all these types of things. If you add it all together, there's no way to do it unless we print more or we borrow more. So what happens is it starts to have this effect where we start to implode. When we start to implode, it's hard to defend ourselves, Right? We have to make investments in our national security. We have to do what we possibly can to make sure that our borders are safe. We see the debacle that's happening there, and we'll talk about that again. There's so much to talk about, and it's so painful to consider all of these different issues that are facing our country, which even eight months ago, six months ago, we weren't even talking about these because they weren't the pressing issues because we didn't have to worry about them. We were down and we were pushing forward on a process that was working for our country, and the recovery was there. Again, the President Biden took over at a pretty good time where he had good economic policy that was instilled by President Donald Trump, and he was able to pick up that ball and brag about it constantly. I don't know if you received a letter about the stimulus checks, and it was from the Department of the Treasury and then when you opened the envelope, it was on the White House letterhead, and it was a brag fest. You know, to me, it, it kind of breaks the Hatch Act rules in a number of different ways. But he talked about how great he's doing in recovering the economy and helping people get vaccinated and do things. Well, the infrastructure existed, and they built upon that. That's a, that's a great leadership that leaves that for somebody as well. But I got to tell you, when we come back after the break, I, I mentioned I want to kind of get into some of the world dynamics that are happening and try to understand this un unrest that's happening because it's not just propagated in one region with Israel and Palestine and the Gaza Strip. There's a lot leading up to this that is impacting a number of different nations. France, Germany, you talk about the EU at large and then you go to our country and you look at, at Central and South America. It is wild and crazy out there but it started somewhere and it's accelerating and you've got to ask why is it accelerating? Why are the police in France having issues with violence like we are here in the United States. These questions, I hope they answer when we come back after the break. Again, everybody, appreciate you. We'll be back soon.